All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. And uh, we're back with the captain, Mr. Andy Full. And as always, I'm your host, Bailey Egbrett. Andy, what's going on, man? Woo! Windblown. <laughs> I mean, I think... Low rowdy. It was a little rowdy. I mean, unfortunately, I got out there for a couple hours this morning to try and find some new fish and found a couple new cool boulders. And then the wind decided to pick up and the largemouth bite was crap. So um, here we are. I did take a nap in the boat today. That was kind of fun. But <laughs> hey, anytime you need a nap in your boat, you call me. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Be glad to take the uh, the troll motor off your hands. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm like, I think I'm going to sit down and take a nap now. <laughs> I, I will say, here, here's some, I'm going to leave it a little treat. For the Did you take a picture? I, oh, I totally got a picture. <laughs> so for folks that are on YouTube, you are getting a treat. You're getting an exclusive here. This is great. I. I had a feeling you took a picture of me, but I I, I was literally <laughs> leaning on the gun wall as I like laid back and like. Oh, this is out. even better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spent, dude. Even I'm better. So that'll tough. make for a. I'm gonna save that for the right time on social media coming up. Drool <laughs> just dribbling down my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say, I will say, I'll be nice about it because you were you were awesome and took a couple hours to take. Uh, my brother flew in from Utah. So he took us out fishing. He has, I don't think he's caught a bass in probably three years, maybe. Yeah. It's been a long time. The only fish he's been catching when he goes sees my parents down in Florida, which understandably he goes out and tarpon fishes my dad and I, he kind of gets his fix there. So I, I don't, I don't blame him much, but uh, the dude's been slacking. So that was like his first smallmouth probably since yeah. he was in high school, which is like five years ago. He caught him, what, like a second or third cast? We went out there, and I was like, yeah, she's a little rough. And they're like two and a half to four footers. And I was like, all right, we're going to catch two and leave. And we got, we hooked three, and then we went, grabbed a bite to eat. And yeah, I took a nap in the boat, which was fantastic. <laughs> we were we were driving over, and he's like, you think the bite's hard right now? And I'm like, like no, as long as the wind's okay, like you're going to be on them right away. I mean, Andy's he lives on these fish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll be just fine. We'll go catch yeah. And I've got a couple. And I wish I wish the wind wasn't blowing 25 miles an hour when they were calling for 5 to 10. But mm-hmm. that's the way it goes in the summertime. Dude, but- it was so funny, his face, though. Like, with those waves, he's sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, hasn't seen Great Lakes waves before or been on the water anyway. You're I was like, you're fine. <laughs> you're just sitting there like it's no big deal. And, like, it's... It was funny just watching his face. I was a little nervous there. Like, like if Andy took us out there, we're fine. Like, yeah. I was telling him on the way home, like, whenever I fish, like, in the fall, like, when it gets really rowdy and I'm with Andy or Jeff, if they're good, I'm good. If they're nervous, I'm probably shitting myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and the whole thing is being not so much comfortable with it, but respecting your limits and what the lake can actually do. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the only way to get comfortable with it is to actually go out there and deal with it and Mm -hmm. it sucks like you break stuff you break stuff everything in your boat breaks your body breaks like it hurts to stand it hurts to walk like after june i was ready to take a break from guiding and i think i took like three weeks off which was absolutely glorious and now we're uh (laughs) about to get back into like the heavy guide swing here and 
I'm praying the wind doesn't blow because I'm tired of getting beat up. It's only blown for like the last two weeks. The entire week when we won the Douglas Derby, it literally blew every day in practice. And there was like two to five footers on the lake. And then on the tournament, the one day it was supposed to be calm, it blows 25 out of the West <laughs> during the tournament. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Like my body still hurts from that tournament. My, my boat was a lake. My boat had a lake in it on a lake. It was like, to put it to put it softly, it was a uh, smallmouth yeah. fishing one hundred and one in the summer. Well, our guest today, uh, thankfully, doesn't have to live in conditions like that, but isn't afraid of of them by any means. Uh, he's a, as a newly Bass Pro Tour qualifier, Mister Keith Carson, who we're going to get on here in a second. But one last jab at my brother because I don't think he listens to the show. It's <laughs> my time to make fun of him when he's not around. Uh, but I, I was teasing because so what I, what you guys know me as for fishing, my brother is to hunting, huge hunter. Uh, and he obviously moved out to Utah big. He goes on like these weekend long hike, uh, hiking trips for like 20 miles. Big gym rat, you know, the kids, kids you know, built. And he comes downstairs when we get back from fishing. And he goes, dude, I'm sore from sitting on the boat or standing on the boat today. And I'm like, hunting's easy, man. <laughs> it was so we were only out there for like that's what I said. minutes. <laughs> that's what I said. I was out there for like four hours before you guys. Even yeah, yeah. Fishermen are athletes, man. Freaking well, athletes. Most but. underrated athletic sport there is. Like, it's funny. I'll come home, like, segue here. Like, I was out there for four hours today. I burned. 1800 calories. I exercised for 30 minutes. I climbed 12 flights of stairs and walked six miles. <laughs> you know, I think the Camus, the the Camus climbed 12 flights of <laughs> yes. stairs. Well, it's yes. just walking back and forth because yeah. I don't use a lean pole because I can't stand it. I fall over mm-hmm. it. So I just take the absolute abuse and destroy yeah. myself for no reason <laughs> when I'm fun fishing. But yeah. well, <laughs> we could talk about this forever. I think without further ado, let's get our guest on for today. Mr. Keith Carson, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? How are you guys doing? Good, buddy. Good, uh, good man. That, that was an interesting story about all the rough water you guys are enduring. Oh, God. Yeah, but that's just another day up here in Buffalo. It, it's yeah. normal, <laughs> but it's funny. Like, we got so used to there, no wind. I think from like May 10th till about June 15th, we didn't have a lick of wind all but like one day. Like, I'm out on the lake just, like, I could scoot around the lake at 70, and it would be just a sheet of glass, like, literally. Wow. And now that wow. it's July, it decides to, the wave forecast today was one foot or less, and there was two to four footers, because it's like, it's going to blow 25 out of the west. None of the local weather stations saw it, but I have this one wind app that's like, it's going to blow 20. I'm like, this is great. It's going to blow today. And Sure enough, it did. Like, <laughs> it's so funny though when, like, folks like Keith, like the first time you probably went up to the Great Lakes and you saw like wind, like on big water. What that's really like. I mean, you see it on Okeechobee too, obviously. But like, when you see two three footers, people are like, ah, that's you know two three footers is nothing. Until you see what really two three footers mean, like they look like freaking big waves. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Okeechobee, you know, it gets choppy, but it's nothing like Lake Erie or any of the Great Lakes. And, you know, it's unreal how big those waves get out there. And the biggest waves I think I've ever been went, been in were about seven to eight feet out in the middle of Erie. Oh, yeah. And, uh, 
the wind was blowing 25 and I was like, I'm going out there, you know, I'm never up here. <laughs> and I did. And I, I, uh, I don't think I caught anything. Were you it was knuckling uh, the whole time driving through that too. You know, actually it was, I was, but you know, as I got into it, I got the hang of it and yeah. you can ride the troughs. Yeah. You, just, you just had kinda, to 45 it and go nice and slow and keep that nose up and you're good. And you're good. Yeah. And so it just took time to get around, but it really, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was, uh, I think like four to six foot is better than two to three foot. Yeah, know? I agree. You get you get bigger. They're more spaced out and they're more rolled. Right. But, but right. like if you get a sustained wind, so like my down in like Sandusky and stuff, if you have a wind that's blowing west, like they get big, but they're like right. drawn out up here. We get so shallow so quick on a west wind that the waves go from like big spaced out to short choppy. So like right about 10 miles outside of Buffalo, go from like 80 foot of water. And then the average depth where I'm at in Buffalo is like 35. Oh, so wow. it comes up and then these waves all get real close together in four to six footers. And it's not fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I don't ever want to go through that again. <laughs> I don't Until think nobody time. likes that. No. Likes no. That. Yeah. Dude, uh, freaking congrats, man. BPT thanks. qualified. Ooh. Yeah, thanks, man. I can't believe it. You know, it's it's one of those things like, uh, you know, you hold your breath until it's all over because you just never know what's going to happen with fishing. And, you know, I sure made it real interesting. Uh, I was there say, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're holding your breath for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I I had like figured something like I needed a top 108 in that last tournament to make top eight in points, and day one I was in 96 with 10 pounds 12 ounces, and I'm like, oh my gosh, sweating, you know, sweating, yeah. And then you know I picked it up a little bit day two and finished 72nd. Didn't cash a check, but the main goal was to stay in that top eight, get to BPT, and and uh, you know I made that goal, so that's all that really mattered. Yeah, I mean, going to that last event, you're probably like top 108. Like, I'm Keith Carson in the Mississippi River. That should be easy. You're probably like, <laughs> yeah. we got this in the bag. <laughs> and then you, uh, after day one, you're like, shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Current's a different beast, though. Like, if you if you transition from like a big natural lake to current, they mm. set up like they bite better, but they set up a lot differently, in my opinion. And yeah, I don't know if you can speak to that, Keith. Yeah, they do. I mean, so they set up a lot differently in rivers. And I grew up fishing the St. John's River here. And so typically, you know, he, down here on the St. John's, you know, if you can find them on shell bars and stuff like that, those are those are decent quality fish and limit fillers. And the equivalent to that in lacrosse and the Mississippi River were the wing dams. And so almost everyone in the field seemed to be fishing wing dams, except for the few exception of uh, – well, kind of the guys in the top 10 weren't really fishing them, but, um, but you know, those fish set up on that stuff and you just kind of read the current, find where the current breaks are or in the wing dam situation, you know, if there was any little area, these wing dams are like a hundred yards long from the bank that would go out to the channel. And if there's any little area where it was broken up or maybe some rocks had fallen through, you were sure to get some bites there and maybe even a ton of bites in some situations. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I love river fishing. You know, it's usually more of grind style type tournaments. Uh, you got to get one bite here and one bite there and one bite there and just kind of read the current, read the water and the conditions as the day's going on. But uh, 
you know, it didn't didn't go as hot for me in lacrosse, but uh, you know, that's that's okay. So, um, you know, looking forward to the next one anyway. So, when you're talking wing dams, um, is that a kind of a is that an area on a river that typically reloads pretty well? Yeah, yeah, the wing dams they reload really well because there's schools of fish on them, mm-hmm. and so typically, you know, just for the Mississippi River. They have tons of wing dams there. Like if, as you were running down the river, I would see guys on every single wing, wing dam as you're running down. And um, there's fish on all of them and a lot of fish. And most of them were smaller fish, but some of the wing dams had bigger fish grouped on it. And I know some of the guys that caught 15 pounds or so on some of those wing dams. But um, they're just current breaks. You know, it's a place for the fish to get behind the rocks uh, that, that they put there and their current breaks. And they'll just hang out and wait for bait you know, to come down, um, and, and then they'll just ambush it. So what, what was your, your difference in moving up day two of that event to get up to 72nd? Did you change anything or did you just, was it a matter of just getting one bite? That's just a little bit bigger than the rest. Uh, well, so it's a little bit of both. So in practice, I had found some good fish up in pool seven mm-hmm. and it was shallow fishing, eelgrass, duckweed, frog and flipping kind of stuff. And, um, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get the fish to eat in the tournament. So I locked back through on day one. I locked back through at two o'clock. My check-in was three forty-five, and I had two fish in the live well. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to put something together. And so whenever I'm struggling and I, and I don't know what to do, I just pick up a Fritz side five. And so I locked back through, put the Fritz side in my hand and I caught my limit in an hour. And I was like, okay. And it only weighed 10, 12, you know, I was sitting in 96, but man, I caught my limit. You know, I was thrilled. And so day two, I locked back up again, just trying to get one or two big bites. Didn't happen. I, th- day two, I came back earlier. I locked back at 10 a.m. And then I put that Fritz eye in my hand and I ended up catching like 12, nine. And one of them was like a three, six. I caught off a bridge on the Fritz side. And so, uh, you know, so that really helped move me up. But, you know, that, that thing has saved me so many times. Like if you just don't know what to do, you just put pick up the Fritz side and just throw it, and you'll you'll surely, almost always catch your limit. Now, are we talking the just the Fritz side five, just the regular, or are we talking the biggin or the junior? Which one are we talking? I, Three different. So I, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. I still throw the regular one. I oh, just like yeah. it the way it's balanced, uh, the way it casts. It's it can be difficult to cast if you don't have the right rod. You need a seven six medium heavy moderate action john cox has a rod just yeah, for that series. yeah the pro which is really odd that. by the way not to segue on us that yeah. but like it was really never odd. a cranker ever yeah. <laughs> no. yeah i know yeah sorry go keep going <laughs> well no i mean so i never neither was i i was never a cranker and uh yeah i cranked some you know here and there and then uh, this fritz side came out and cox was like man you gotta try this thing and, I'm, and he shows it to me, and he gave me three of them in a plastic sandwich baggie. And he's like, you got to throw these. And I look at them, and I, I didn't think much of it, to be honest. I mean, I thought, you know, you know, it looks good and this and that. But then I tied it on, and uh, I threw it. And the amount of bites I got, I was like, holy cow. Like, this thing is the real deal. And since then, I mean, gosh, what was that, three and a half, four years ago? Since then, I've never put it down, and I've – one and open on it. I've cashed a lot of checks. I've caught a lot of really good fish. I got fourth place on it in Wright Patman back in April, a couple months ago. Uh, it's just, it, they just eat the dang thing. It's awesome. It's a, 
I'll I'll back that up, and I'll back it up in regards to, and not, I won't say names, but there are some very very big time prevalent anglers, especially whether they're watching live streams or their YouTube channels that are not with Berkeley and are with some pretty big brands. And you see a Fritz side sneaking in on their deck or they're throwing it. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. the thing catches them, man. It's freaking I say there's good. two baits that are like that for me personally, that I see it's the stunna and then the Fritz side and then a lot Berkeley of flatworm. Don't... So really three Berkeley yeah. flatworm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I caught my biggest smallmouth ever on a Berkeley flatworm last year on Lake Erie. Hmm. Yeah. Up in Canada caught a uh, six, eight. The giant. Like, That's a big oh, yeah. In the dirt yeah. or was it in practice? No, it was in practice. Here, funny thing too, I caught it in like twelve feet, and uh, and you know how sometimes you catch them, their gills start bleeding. Yeah. So I, I asked a local guy, and he's like, "Oh, it's because you brought it up from the bottom too quick." And I was like, "Man, it's only in twelve feet." And he's like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter." He's like, "Erie's different." So I don't know. Do you guys know about that or? Yeah, I get a ton of fish that will bleed for no reason at all. And a lot of times, like, there's nothing you can do about it. You just throw them back in the live well, and they're usually fine. You just have to fizz them pretty quick. And okay. I don't even think it's the gills, honestly. It's usually where the hook point hits them from the pressure from the deep water. And you'll just mm. see it, like, pouring down out of their gills from the hook point. So you just got to get them back in the water, and it stops okay. immediately. That- that's what I did. I put it in the live well and then I fizzed it. And yeah. It was fine. I yeah. swam away fine. Yeah. But that was pretty cool, though, catching one that big. It's a big fish. You don't see <laughs> yeah. too many that big in the summer either. And so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was there in uh, August. It was, you know, weird That's time. a big fish for August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Up here where we're at, like, if you start seeing a lot more six pounders start popping up around like middle of September. September. and then pretty much if you don't catch a six pounder in october you're doing something wrong so wow yeah it's, wow it's that good huh it it's pretty fresh. much on lock if you fish for a couple days you will catch one over six yeah. wow and i'm coming and, up and hundreds yeah it's fun. come through yeah it's fun i i did write that down for for you andy but also for the folks watching or listening when we have steve barden back on we're trying to get him back on here in the coming weeks i will ask that question about the why smallies bleed okay no I'll, I'll make sure to report back to you keith <laughs> please do let me know yeah, yeah i'm interested in that for sure you... small mouth yes. they're funky creatures but gotta love them yeah yeah for sure well buddy dude walk us through the season man i know so you ended up ranked fourth correct out of yeah the invitational anglers um and dude i think you let's see actually let me fact check myself so i'm not spurring out numbers here you won 90 grand this year on the invitationals yeah not a bad year i'll tell not you. bad at all buddy yeah. <laughs> walk us walk us through the year leading up to mississippi all right you want the detailed version or the a quick walkthrough uh g- give us give us you can walk through In some the of the middle. ones that are more like okay. self you know okay. what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, first term of the year is Lake Okeechobee. Um, it went down there and the water was pretty dirty. I couldn't really sight fish them the way I had wanted to or hoped to. Uh, so I ended up going over to the monkey box and just fishing. I was throwing Berkeley swim jig and, uh, I think I got 33rd in that one. It wasn't great. You know, it wasn't, wasn't terrible. Wasn't bad. You know, it was okay. And then, uh, next one, um, Oh God, where was it? Clark's Hill, Georgia. 
And they oh, were spawning yeah. for that one. Yeah, that looked like so a that... fun for not to cut you off. That looked like a really fun event. Oh, you know that lake is unreal. So Clark's Hill. Something I learned about it was well, you know, Hartwell's right above it. I think, or maybe two above it, but Hartwell's above it. And um, Clark's Hill is a totally different lake than Hartwell. Hartwell is like a herring lake. They chase shad. It's cane piles. It's things like that. Clark's Hill has bushes everywhere. You can flip. You can top water. You can throw wacky rig general, whatever. Tons of structure to cast at. And in my opinion, it's like a way better lake. I like it a lot. A lot of big ones there too. Um, but yeah, so that one was all sight fishing. A lot of fun. Um, then we went to you follow Oklahoma. I think I think I got 17th at Clark's Hill, and then you follow Oklahoma. I think I finished 31st uh, there. Sight fish day one, and then flip trees and stuff day two, uh, and then uh, Lake of the Ozarks. That was the one. Uh, that one yeah. I got second in. That one sucked because I uh, <laughs> I only caught four fish day one. That killed me. You know, I just I had so many big ones on the bed that I was going from five pounder to five pounder to four pounder to five pounder. And then I was passing up keepers because I just thought I'm going to come in with five fives, you know, try to try to have a strong day one. Didn't happen. Yeah. I went to a five pounder, sat there for an hour, couldn't get it to bite, went to another, sat in that for an hour, you know, went to a third one, finally caught it. I look at my, my phone and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's like 10 36 in the morning. My check-in was like two fifteen or something, two thirty. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So I scrambled, you know, and I ended up with – I think I had 15 pounds with four fish. And, oh, uh, Yeah, and then day two I had 21, and day three I had 19. And, you know, all I had to do was, uh, was like, settle down. I just had too many fish to go to. Mm-hmm. So the thing about it was was each fish took, like, anywhere from an hour to an hour, sometimes two hours to catch. They were oh. super hard to catch. And as soon as I understood that, the whole tournament turned around for me. So, you know, I ended up getting second there. Cox won it. Uh, He was bed fishing on the other side of the lake. Yeah, I know. Dang it. No, it's fine. Uh, I'll have my chance again. To to put a pause on you real fast there, if you were to find yourself in the same situation again, where it's you have all of these bed fish and you find yourself – not scrambling, but you see that you're in the same situation. How would you approach it if you could do it again? Great question. Yeah. So if I could do it again, I mean, I would have, I would have stopped to catch a keeper um, at some point. And, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, one of the things John tells me all the time when we talk about fishing, he's like, make sure you get five. It doesn't matter if they're five tiny ones, if you're having a bad day and they're five small ones or whatever, make sure you get five, you know, because anytime you come in with less than what your limit is, you're you're just leaving weight out there you know Mm -hmm. and um and i definitely could have had five that day but part of the shallow water game that i play and that having that shallow water mindset is i anytime i fish a tournament i'm never concerned about catching five you know there you'll know that there's a lot of tournament guys where they like to go out and they say i want to get my limit and then i'm going to go hunt big ones and it's fine to do that, but every minute that you're not fishing for big ones, you're not catching big ones. And yeah. in a five fish format, you want five big ones. And so a lot of times that big bite comes first thing in the morning where I could have been off on a small fish hole trying to get my limit fillers and I lost out a chance at a big bite. And so that's just the mindset that I have, you know, that I attack tournaments with. And a lot of times too, you'll find that if you're just targeting big fish, 
you'll accidentally catch small ones in between the big bites and then you'll accidentally fill your limit that route. And so that's another aspect of, you know, targeting bigger fish. And so, you know, just having that kind of mindset, it, it really hurt me, you know, it worked out days two and three came back strong, but uh, it definitely cost me the win there by just not stopping to catch a keeper somewhere. So I'm trying to remember how much, yeah. how much did you lose to John by? Uh, one pound, one ounce. I can't forget. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be yeah. sitting there in bed just thinking like, oh, I saw a two-pounder that was probably easy to catch right there. One flick at a general probably would have caught that pound and a half right there. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's so or, that, or that too. random cast underneath the boat dock that you're not looking at as you're going to the next five-pounder. <laughs> I know. I, I There's so many circumstances. I'm like, damn it. What the hell was I thinking, you know? <laughs> Uh, so what after ozarks was was there one between that between that and mississippi yeah okay so after ozarks we went to the potomac and i finished eighth place in the potomac um another solid tournament and uh that one i had a tough practice i had a tough practice i was trying to learn the tides um i'm familiar with tides uh you know growing up on the saint john's it's tidal about an hour and a half north of me up near palatka and I fished it and I'm somewhat familiar with it, but Potomac's different. It's like a, it's a different beast and you can time the tides um, and you can outrun the tides. And if you get good at it, you can really catch them. And I was trying to do that and I had done it some and it did work. Um, but uh, for the most part, I just kind of stayed put in one or two creeks and fished through the tides and, you know, ended up catching, I don't know, I think I had about 15 a day or so, 16, mm. one of the days and, you know, finished up in eighth. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there was that one and, and that was a fun tournament, man. Swim jig and, uh, flipping, you know, flipping all the kind of flipping the, uh, yeah. uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, so not to go too deep into it, because I think from a title fishery standpoint, this could be an entire show or series of shows in itself. Um, but for, for folks listening, when you're talking about timing the tides, what, where, when you have a high percentage area, what kind of tide do you want to be there when it's like, is it a high tide? Is it a low tide? Like if you got a good area, what kind of tide do you want to be at? To that well, area? so, okay. So the way the Potomac fishes is you can catch fish at high tide and you can catch fish at low tide. And, and a lot of the dock talk was really interesting because for me, I could really only get bit at low tide or like the last hour of outgoing and the first hour of incoming. That was my best tide. But so anyways, the dock talk was funny. I get back and I talk to some guys and they're like, I can only get bit at high tide. They're like, I can't get a bite at low tide. And I'm like, man, I'm the opposite. I can't get a bite at high tide, but I can get bit at low tide. And so if you're, if you're able to figure out both tides of fish, those are, you know, that, those are the guys that can win the tournament because you're going to be in productive water the entire time. And so a lot of part, part of what that means is you're typically fishing totally different structure at high tide versus low tide, you know, low tide, you're going to be on the grass edges. You're going to figure out where do the fish funnel to at low tide and where do they pull up? And then, and then you need to know, you need to be there at the right time to intercept them because they're not there all the time. They're there at specific tides. Mm -hmm. So that's typically like funnel points and edges of grass and things like that. And then high tide, it could be anything from, so like, so let's say a brim bed, like brim beds at low tide are almost unfishable. The bass can't even get up there to eat them. But at high tide, they've got water over their head and the bass are thrashing them at high tide. So if you have a brim bed, you want to be there at high tide. 
you know, or, or mid tide or something. Um, so I wasn't able to put it all together. I only had low tide. So for me, it was nerve wracking because low tide was at 2 p.m. And with check-ins like three, three at 2.30 to four or whatever. So I would go all day with nothing. And, and I just kept telling myself, all right, you know, stay calm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm looking at my clock and I'm like, I got an hour and a half to check in. And I had two fish in the boat. And suddenly it's like a light switch. And it's unreal how good the fishing is. In mm. such a short period of time, I would catch 15, 16 pounds. In, like, I, I mean, like 20 minutes. And I didn't, and I'm in the same area I'd been fishing through all the tides. And then it just flicks on. And I'm in the right place at the right time with the right bait and uh, throwing a Berkeley swim jig and you just load the boat. It's unreal. So that is a place that like, if you didn't didn't fish ties before and you went there and sucked, it'd be kind of like expected. People would be like, you you have to get better there with experience. Like you have to go there multiple times to understand really what's going on. It's not really a place you you go and show up like a Champlain or something like that, where you could stumble upon something. Right. You know, a hundred percent. It's, it's a very hard place to stumble upon. So, well, I shouldn't say that it's not that hard to stumble upon something. It's hard to, um, to fish it in a tournament scenario at the right tide and, and be there exactly right. Because what happens is if, if you're off by 30 minutes, like I just said, like if you're off by 30 minutes, you don't get a bite. And then, and then if you're there and your timing's right, it's some of the best fishing you can experience in such a short amount of time. And so I think a lot of guys found fish like that. That was a story that I heard a lot, you know, and I, like there's guys who would catch 17, 18 pounds one day and they were do, sitting in top 10 and the next day they'd have seven pounds and they'd mm. fall hard, you know, cause their timing was off day two. And, um, after leaving there, I really like the Potomac. It is, it's very difficult. It's, it's one of those fisheries that you, you have to be good to catch them there. And, and it's hard to stumble on them because the tides are changing every day, uh, you know, day after day. And so I left there wanting to go back for fun. Like I would like to go there for seven or 10 days straight all day through all the tides and like really learn it. Um, Cause I think if I could do that, it'd set me up for like a solid, you know, <laughs> a solid yeah. uh, future for Potomac. For sure. Anyway. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. So if you had to uh, take a look back on your season and the baits, say three baits, the top three that caught you the most money in 2023. And I know one of them has got to be the general, but beyond that, right. what, what what three baits do you think won you the most money this past year? Uh, definitely Fritz I-5, 100%. Um, the Berkeley Swim Jig paired with the uh, Maxent Meaty Chunk. I threw that at... Okeechobee, Clarks Hill, um, Eufaula. I didn't use it at Ozarks. That was the general. Um, and then, uh, and then Potomac. Yeah, I got eighth on it at Potomac. Um, so yeah, that thing's huge. Um, and then I like flipping the uh, creature hog, Maxent creature hog. Great flipping bait. Um, you know, it's soft when they eat it. You just you just kind of pull and tighten your line, and the hook will just fall. You know, just sink right in their mouth and hooks them really good. Um, I love the creature hog, except for the fact sometimes when you just like pop it out of grass, it tears and it's ruined. Yeah. And it drives right. me insane, but it gets bit. So I can't complain about it. I know. I'm with you those. too. Like, I, I have a hard time flipping it with a one ounce 
because, you know, typically, you know, obviously if I have a one ounce, I'm going through like thick hyacinths, mm -hmm. you know, thick matted vegetation. And a lot of times it'll flip great for 20 or 30 minutes and then it'll start sliding down the hook. And it's so frustrating, but I keep doing it because it gets so many bites, you know? So I'm like, man, you got to <laughs> stick with it. It yeah. stinks how many you ruin before you get bit some days in that eight ninety nine a pack. It gets a little expensive for the yeah. average fishing <laughs> person. So. Yeah. Well, you know, what What I do is I try to practice with a cheaper bait or, or, you know, some different power bait or something. And then I'll just put the creature hog on for the tournament. And I like doing that for a couple of reasons. Well, one, because the creature, hog, you know, the max scent gets the bites. But two, you're presenting a bait to the fish that they didn't see in practice. Hmm. You know, in practice, they saw something different because they do have memory. The fish, they memorize, uh, you know, things that hook them and stuff. And so... uh you know, you, when you put a new bait on like that, they haven't seen it. And, man, they just they eat it so good. It's unreal. Yeah, it really works. Yeah, what is it? The uh, it Power Hog? There's like one that's there's like a power bait version that's similar to the Creature Hog that Berkeley's got. Yeah, I, I think of it, it's um, a Bunker Hog. Yeah. Bunker Hog. Yeah, and I like the Bunker Hog a lot. That's a really, really good flipping bait. And it's much firmer than mm -hmm. the Creature Hog. So, if, you know, that's something that bothers you, try Bunch the Bunker it. Hog. Yeah. oh yeah yeah that's uh that's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite baits there yeah all right so let me ask you with the swim jig then are you like i'm sure it's very versatile for you but are you mostly straight reeling it twitching it like do the alabama shake like how are you fishing that thing on most majority cases uh majority of the cases i'll be doing the alabama shake and i and i shake it and swim it and um you know sometimes i do straight retrieve uh, but that wouldn't be with the max scent meaty chunk. You know, I put a uh, power swimmer on the back of it for a straight mm -hmm. retrieve. Um, but, uh, yeah, mostly I'm shaking it when I got that meaty chunk on, you know, you keep your rod tip up and it's just pop, 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 you know, mm -hmm. and you pop it and, uh, and the bites you get on that thing is unreal. It's so much fun. Now, do you have an ideal weight for the swim jig that you like? Is it like a quarter, three eighths, half? I like a half. Um, so the half for me is better because, I can sling it a little bit further and faster, but more importantly, my uh, accuracy with casting is better because it's more weight. And so I, I can feel the pendulum swinging better. And with the way I fish being a shallow water fisherman, um, you, you have to be, you have to be precise with your casts. You know, you can't miss it's most of the times you can't miss by a few inches uh, yeah. in the places I'm trying to put it in. And that was true at the Potomac, you know, like when the, when the tide was dropping, I was around some lily pads and I would skip that thing way up under the pads because, you know, the tops of the, 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 you know, there's low tide. So they're, they're sticking straight up and in some of those little holes to put it in were tiny, but I get the right, I caught like a one of five and a half. I made a cast. I put it in a hole that was like three inches around. And as soon as I clicked the reel over a five and a half, I ate it. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know. Are you throwing it on braid or fluorocarbon? Kind of what is your setup for the swim jig? I'm intrigued because I'm just now getting into like swim okay. jig fishing and it is kind of fun. I'm not going to lie when they smoke that dang thing. Dude. I had I had a two pounder oh, yeah. just about rip the rod out of my hand the other day. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I hear you, man. So, okay. So the the whole setup with that is I throw that on a 7.6 medium-heavy Fantasista X, and then I pair that with a 7.3 uh, to 1 gear ratio. That's the uh, Xenon uh, MGX, the silver reel. Um, I use 40-pound braid, Berkeley X5, 
Um, you put 40 pound braid on and I like the 40. It's just a little bit lighter. Some guys prefer 50 or 65 and I try to go as light as I possibly can. I've thrown it on 30 and I've thrown it on 20 and both of those are great options also. Um, but that, you know, I, I prefer a medium heavy rod, a lot of swim jiggers. They like heavy, they, they want it stiff. Um, and, and for me, that's not the case. I, when that thing swims, I want it to have a, a flow to it. And, and you get that flow, in my opinion, it's the perfect flow with a medium heavy. If you have a heavy, it's more of a pop, 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 pop. It's a, it's a quicker popping. And that works. It gets a lot of bites. But the, the swooshing flow gets, it just, man, it's hmm. something about it. They eat it. And it has, it has more of a pause in the drag due to the medium heavy rod. And that allows the fish to have a better chance to eat it too. It hesitates for a split second longer than a heavy action rod. Hmm. And that's a big key for me. Um, but yeah, that, that's okay. for the swim jig setup, and um, yeah, I'm gonna throw that for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, that was a little do it molds juice segment that you usually do on the lure lab. Yeah, that was pretty damn good. Yeah, that was good. juicy. Good, yep. Good. No, I need a seven six to go throw swim jigs. I've been throwing out a seven three medium heavy, and I yeah. like I want like a parabolic rod so it gives them that extra second to eat it, but enough backbone to really drive a hook home and get them out. Because you're throwing right. it. In, you're throwing it open water. You're throwing it under trees, docks, the heaviest grass. Like I got one to eat it the other day where I literally pulled it up over like a milfoil clump and he like came out and ate it. And I'm like, this is so fun. Yeah. Like, yeah that's, that's, I didn't even care bite. that it was a one yeah. pounder. It was the yeah. coolest bite. <laughs> he had yeah, to have that, it. <laughs> that, you know, it's funny too. Like with me, I just fish the way that I love to fish. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's some, there's some trendy stuff that's hot and, and guys are doing great with it. And I just don't love it. You know, it's not, it's not all that for me. And so I fish how I love to fish. And I think that's the best way to fish. So I stick to my stuff. I stick to flipping, swim jigging, wacky rigging, uh, top water, you know, all the, all the fun stuff. And I love top water because, you know, like the way that I swim jig, each bite really is like a top water bite. You know, you see them. It's not, I'm not swimming that thing, you know, two, three yeah. feet down. I'm swimming at two inches underwater. And so it's just so exciting, you know, and hopping it over logs and stuff like you're talking about. Yeah, it's awesome. So the way you fish it, it's very visual. Like you can see that the majority of your bites technically. Yeah. 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 Almost everything that I fish is visual. Uh, you know, almost everything. Um, yeah. Sight fishing is my strength. Even if they're not spawning, I can still visually or visualize how a fish might be positioning on a piece of structure. And then because I've sight fished for so long throughout my life, I'm used to seeing fish eat my bait and I know how they react. Like I know their, their behaviors and stuff. So I can visualize how a p- fish might be sitting on a piece of structure and then bring my bait right into its mouth. And, uh, and it just helps, you know, helps get, it helps them eat it better. So I'm, I'm foul hooking way less fish than someone else might that may not visualize a piece of structure the same way I do. Um, but, uh, yeah. You, you yeah, can just I, say that you have x-ray vision. Like it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wish. Man, I think about that all the time. I'm like, man, if I had X-ray vision, you know, it'd be unreal. Can you uh, imagine? Who knows? Yeah, that's yeah, live scope on steroids. Is what that is. Right? Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would <laughs> need it. Yeah. That's the next step. Yeah. It's is one of these brands are going to come out with a version of four facing sonar in their their glasses. It's going to be like a a collaboration between a sunglass company and a forward facing sonar gosh do you know what's crazy is that it's probably gonna happen 
know? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you're, you're probably looking like 10 to 12 years out for that technology. I would think. I'd be surprised that I'd be, I'd be saying like three. I mean, you yeah, could probably, three, yeah, I'm sure there's, you have to remember tech. we're talking about the fishing industry here and everything is about 10 years behind like that technology. <laughs> like Andy, I'm going to say, AI. this. I'm going to say this for the folks too. There are things that are available to specific groups of anglers that we do not know about that are available probably five years from now. I'm sure there's stuff Keith is thinking about right now that he knows about that he's like, you suckers have no idea. And like, <laughs> so, uh, there's, there's things available right now, dude, maybe not available that, that are out yeah. made that we have no idea about that are, you know, a 2025 launch or 2027 right. that'll probably blow our minds. Like there's probably, oh, there's probably yeah. people laughing at this. They're like, yeah, we already got the shades. Like, no, yeah. these guys are using it right now <laughs> yeah well, yeah i know dude it's I, there's no telling what's coming for the future you know and i and i wonder what what do you guys feel about like how technology's advanced is it good for fishing or bad or you know so andy you go first I'm i, I think it's good this. because it makes catching fish more accessible for people who may have struggled without like yeah because it makes it simplifies the game of finding fish and catching fish. Yeah. I think where we're going to see a negative impact in it, and I was reading a bill, I think I told you about this like almost a year ago, Bailey, how the state of Connecticut is one of the states that is looking to change like angler creel limits based on forward facing technology. Oh, okay. So as I think we implement more technology into the game, these companies may have to find a seat at the table with local legislation and state legislation to come up with a common ground on what's too far because state agencies, depending on what their beliefs are and et cetera. And we're not going to go down the political rabbit hole here. Right. But like, that's the one thing that I could see having a negative consequence to it is that, Oh, you know, this is too easy for a vast amount of people to go out and catch fish that they're going to make it harder for organizations like Bass and MLF and MPFL and any of the smaller companies out there that want to have tournaments to come in and fish for a five fish creel limit weight. So you're going to see a lot of, I think the overall outcome is you're going to see a lot of changes in the future because state agencies are going to decide that, no, you can no longer catch five bass. We're making it three all year because it's too mm-hmm. easy to catch them. Right. So I think that's something and, we'd have to be cognizant of. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that's that's a good point you made there. I was thinking, uh, you know how like with the Alabama rig, so mm-hmm. when it first came out, you could throw it anywhere in the nation, and mm-hmm. then now it's state regulated where some states allow three hooks, some states allow five hooks, some some states don't allow more than one hook or two hooks. Yeah. You know, or and then don't allow have, it at all. Or don't allow it at all. Yeah. And so I was I was wondering if that could be something that could happen in the future where some states say no forward facing sonar in our state and another state might allow it, you know, and then you know, I was thinking that would be interesting too, like uh, and how that would affect the tournament trail. Like, you know, if we go to a state that doesn't allow it. Yeah, I guess everybody's got to take it off, yeah, and then put it on for the next state. That's the only way you regulate it, right? If you if that Mm -hmm. was the case, like you'd have state agencies that are out going around checking your trolling motor, like 
Hey, you got them. I mean, at this rate, you got to check their transoms too, because the guy's yeah. picking them back there. You're like, I know. Yeah, please look I at know, your plate unreal. up, sir. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and the law always takes longer to catch up to the change, right? Then right, right. It's never really ahead of the change, and now we're getting into like the peak. We're probably coming into the peak of forward-facing technology before something else comes out that's better, right? Mm-hmm. I would think because it's been out five, six years now, all the way back to the original panoptics. And now you're going to start seeing usually around like, in my opinion, that's seven to 10 year mark is when you start seeing laws and effects and consequences and change happen because it takes so long for modern law to catch up to what's happening that I'm afraid of what possibly could happen in the next couple of years, because as anglers, and you probably even know it down in Florida, we have a very small voice compared to the homeowners on the lake, the state agencies, the people who are advocating for whatever rights that they want to advocate for fish, cows, like, like we're, yeah, we are, we're a very small minority in the group of people that live in these States that who actually fish. So it's, it's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me too. You know, I follow along and I watch it closely and, you know, it seems as as though uh, spectators are, are mixed between a, it's a love hate type kind of thing. A lot of people love it, a lot of people hate it, but at the very least, it's interesting, you know. And yeah. uh, so I, yeah. you know, I follow along and watch it. I don't know. I, I could definitely see the limitation of like, I mean, you see guys now, we were just talking about in the other show, like guy running five forward facing sonar transducers on his boat. I could see limiting that from a tournament standpoint, but. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I don't ever see it being completely outlawed, like from a state regulation type of deal. I don't ever see yeah. it that way because I, I just think see we're limiting creel limits where you can only catch so many fish yeah. on a daily basis. I think that should be. I think that should have been done. Fourth faces on our side. I think with the boom that COVID happened, that should have been done then because of yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's too many point. lakes right now that are, I think. I think there's lakes. You know, if we want to look at what Texas is doing. I think there's lakes where you have a regulation of like a lake that's struggling to get any size, but has a million pounders, like a, uh, let's, let's call it like table rock. You know, if you want right, some better right. size to it, like, Hey, let's start keeping some of these fish. Like, you know, you're too small or something like that, whatever in turn, but that that's a whole other rabbit hole. But uh, I think with how much we have learned about the fish itself because of forward facing sonar, like mm-hmm. a, from a behavioral standpoint, I don't know if it'll ever go away because right. now you see state agencies are using it for rescues. State agencies from an environmental standpoint are actually using it to study fish. They're actually finding their tracks, like the fish that they're tracking, they're finding them on forward facing sonar. Wow. Understand what they're doing. And that's yeah. what's incredible to me, I think is what you're we're learning. But I will say I love it for that. I, I will say uh, I'll go on a limb and say I love using it too in certain circumstances. Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. e- not even to target specific fish, but to make me more efficient from like a casting standpoint, where mm-hmm. it's like 360 can show me yes, there's a rock pile here I can somewhat line up, whereas like forward facing sonar can show me hey, here's that specific tiny hole in the grass I can make as accurate of cast yeah. as possible, and you uh, can see it as the boat's moving too. Exactly stay on it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the fact that it's real time, immediate. Like there might be a slight delay, but it's almost immediate. As soon as you pan it, you're like, okay, there it is. Yeah, forty feet out, and you can 
hit it dead on, like, oh, I'm hitting that fish right on the nose, and then you get to yeah. it, and I'm like, this is yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I've been using it. For sure. I like there's and I think there's specific bait companies too that are benefiting from a R and D standpoint because mm-hmm. back in the day it was like they're looking at it at a test tank or it was a version of if you got bit or not, where now they can actually see how the fish are reacting to the baits real time versus guessing. And now right. it, you know, it's almost gonna advance the advancements, if you will, the innovations of baits. So it, it's super yeah. intriguing from that standpoint. I, I think it's doing a lot for the sport. I just don't think we were prepared for how rapidly that technology would advance the sport. Yeah, right, right. It, yeah, I'm I'm shocked by how how rapidly it did advance and just the way it's all unfolding. And I, you know, I'm uh, I use it every time I go out. I'm trying to learn it. You know, a lot of guys are winning winning tournaments. You know, this thing's like making guys' careers. You know. And, uh, so I'm, um, I'm like, shoot, you know, if, if, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a certain amount of guys that when forward sonar is not working, they just don't catch them. And so if it's that good where it can make someone's career, I better freaking learn how to use the dang thing. Yeah. You know? So I've been practicing and practicing and, uh, I'm starting to get pretty good at it. So I might, I might utilize it next year on the Bass Pro Tour, but who knows? I, I would be very curious though, if like right starting right now or say right for next season, like before day one of the event next year, they're like, by the way, can't use forward-facing sonar. It's banned. Who would drop? Oh, my God. You know oh what I mean? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I, well, I'm everyone's addicted to staring thing. down. Everyone's right. addicted to doing this now. And, I mean, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm sure this is with you, Keith, is turn off the graphs and get shallow and have fun, like in oh, fishing yeah. and instinct. And I feel like that's one of the con- the ramifications and consequences of forward facing sonar is that we're basically taking the instinct out of fishing and you're just chasing right. fish. Right. But, right. And uh, I don't know. I yeah, love it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> tough. Cause so like I used it on Lake Champlain last year and, uh, <laughs> and, and this is a crazy story, man. So I had a boulder up in like, I don't know, maybe, 35 to 28 feet I had a big boulder and I had some big fish on it and so I went there day two of the tournament and there's like nothing on it and I'm fishing it and fishing it and I'm doing circles around it and I'm looking for fish like down in the crevices I'm using for like sonar 15 feet off to the left of it weren't they just hanging out there well so yeah I think just so. wait but just, I, just wait <laughs> I didn't see them I think they were there the whole time I never saw them so I see a fish swim under the boulder. I flip my drop shot to it. It eats it. I set the hook and suddenly it was like the whole bottom of the lake came up. There was, I don't know, 50, a hundred small All, they all came up to the boat and I'm like, Oh my God, like, where do they come from? So I catch the fish real quick, throw them in the live well, run back up to the front. I can see the school and I'm chasing them. And I chased them hundreds of yards out over a hundred feet of water. And they just stopped and they were suspended in 30 feet, 30 feet below the surface and 100 feet. And I didn't have, so typically with suspended fish like that, you want to throw like the right bait, some kind of jig head or something. I didn't Mm -hmm. have it tied on. So I sling my drop shot out there with the flatworm. And this is what really blows my mind is as soon as it hit the surface of the water, I mean, immediately they would start swimming up. And they would meet it in 15 feet. And I had a half ounce drop shot. So this thing was racing down. It's cooking. (laughs) It's cooking. They would meet it in 15 feet. And I'd set the hook and every one of them was four pounders. I had 20 pounds that day. 
And, and so, I mean, these are fish, you know, that would, without forward sonar, I would have caught one four pounder off the boulder and said, Oh, they left. And I probably would have left, you know, and instead I ended up catching 20 pounds with it. And I was, it blew my mind. And I mean, of course on that day, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. (laughs) Was, wasn't it you were saying like Mark Rose or somebody pulled up and he was like, Keith, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. You lost, lost, son. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I mean, hundreds of yards from, from the shoal and, and I'm over the channel and yeah, he's like, Keith, he's like, what are you doing out here? I was like, Mark, I was like, I just found him on sonar. I'm chasing him out here. And he's like, Oh wow. You know, he's telling me he was, he's pretty impressed. So he stopped and fished the shoal. I don't know if he caught any, but uh, yeah <laughs> no because they're all under your boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, and that like that's one of the craziest things i've learned with forward facing and smallmouth in general is like on a slick calm day if you catch one of them have you noticed this one yet how all of a sudden you can look down underneath your trolling motor and they're just all sitting there and they won't do a dang thing no yeah they'll just sit there yeah. <laughs> and then you and move you, your boat and they'll follow your boat around yeah oh, yeah they'll know. stay i think they like to just stay in the shade of the boat or something you know it's freaking crazy but yeah those ones are hard to catch you know yeah you almost have to catch another one and then they'll chase that fish as you're reeling it in and kind of reposition them and then maybe you'll catch one after that but maybe yeah yeah, those those (laughs) ones are tough ones they're like the dumbest smartest fish in the world yeah yeah (laughs) and then you'll have like that group of them that'll be on the bottom like 15 of them and you'll see one like rise up and like sit 10 feet below your boat that one will bite instantly but like yeah like that's the small one give me the big one oh i know it blow it's so frustrating and so much fun at the same time yeah. you know yeah no doubt love it love yeah. hate it yeah well, dude, so so obviously that was a quite the tangent we just went down. it happens uh but talking about this past year uh really just wanted to say congrats man because i know this is a goal you've been striving for for a long time uh and i'm excited to watch you fish the bpt next year um so again congratulations but uh i do have some some more fun questions here to wrap up okay okay so tournaments aside say say tournaments uh just put it out of the picture this will be my second question but first question tournaments aside you're just going you want to go fun fishing what you enjoy most where are you going one lake and how are you catching them um you know my favorite lake in the nation is lake champlain so I'm going to Champlain. I'll be there in July, um, and I'm going to be drop shotting, drop shotting boulders, uh, you know, shoals, anything out there, uh, sandbars. Really? He yeah, picks the it. drop shot. Love it. Love the flatworm. <laughs> no, I really do. It's something about it. You know, there there's places that have bigger fish, and there's places that maybe some people would say are better fishing. But you know, I grew up largemouth fishing. Um, yeah, you know, caught a lot of big ones and it's, it's always exciting, but you know, smallmouth is something I don't get to do that often. And, and in my opinion, Champlain's one of the most beautiful places, like visually the mountains, you know, uh, everything's pretty up North, but that place is just awesome. Uh, you know, and so that's my place. Yeah. We, so it's crazy where it's the fishing might not be as good as some other places, but as long as it looks freaking cool around you, it's yeah. cool how that brings the aspect into it where I just got back from the Adirondacks last weekend where I went up with a buddy and we like slept in our trucks and like would hit a few different lakes. We went like I think seven different lakes. And like when you're on a lake, there's no houses, no nothing. 
don't hear anything except the fish that's flopping at the surface that you just hooked into. Like <laughs> there's something about that. That's yeah. Unreal. Yeah. But so my set, my second question on that, forget tournaments entirely. Say they ban fishing tournament fishing. You have to find, so you could pick one other profession that you would enjoy, not like going back and painting type of deal. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. one, like whether it's NFL, whatever, if you could yeah. choose a different professional life for Keith Carson, what would you choose? I'd be a pro golfer. Golfer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. same, same line. Same, yeah. same way of thinking. Yeah. No, I'd be a pro golfer for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I started golfing a few years ago and I'm starting to get pretty good at it. It's addicting. It's didn't so you addicting. Go, didn't you go on our off day for the, yeah. the trip this year? <laughs> yeah. We went, me and, uh, oh God, Justin and um, uh, Cole, we, we went golfing that off day up in Oneida. And uh, we rented these clubs, and they didn't have any wedges. The clubs stopped at a nine iron. You had like a, set, you had like a six, seven, eight, and nine. And yeah. then like a, we had a woman's driver and a putter that was they so sh- smashed. They yeah, short changed you, you. Wow. Oh, it, it was so much fun though. We looked at these clubs and we're like, "What are we gonna do?" You know. And uh, we had a blast. We Smashing had a blast. balls. Smashing them. Yeah. A good time, but uh, yeah, that's the only round of golf I played. When so, when the tournament season ends, I actually join a golf league uh, that's local here in DeBerry, Florida, and I I play in golf tournaments in like November and December. And uh, every year, so I start out and I'm like, I'll shoot like low 80s, it's okay. And then by the end of two months after I practice and play, I'll be shooting in like mid 70s. I'll be really striking the ball, and I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. And then oh the tournament season starts up, and that's it. And then I'm done with golf. Yeah, I won't hit a golf ball again until summertime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you had the choice, so like, because you fish like NPFL with invitationals, like multiple trails at once. If you had the choice, if you could go pro golf and pro fishing at the same time, would you do it? Oh yeah, yeah, dude, <laughs> dude that'd be awesome. <laughs> Have you seen have you seen the payouts in pro golf? Oh, oh it's unreal. Third. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what? Sponsored by Rolex and this is what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like last place is like $75,000 or yeah. I don't know, it's something, you know, it changes, but it's a lot. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. It is. We got a frozen Bailey here. That's a great screenshot. I don't know. Yeah. Can we make that the thumbnail? (laughs) My back? (laughs) Yeah, you're back. You're like this. Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Sorry. I literally could see you guys real time saying, you know, making fun of my face. Uh, So that was good. Uh, But my last question before I freeze again and freeze out of this thing is if you could choose one sponsor, like big time sponsor that was like a non-endemic, like not fishing wise, what brand mm-hmm. would you choose? Non-endemic, not fishing, you know, I mean. Can't choose golf either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want, you want some money behind, you want something behind you. I mean, I've actually thought about, you know, UPS before, um, you know, that's a fortune 500 company. Delivering you know, packages while you're traveling yeah. for derbs. <laughs> yeah, they sponsor some of the golf guys. I think they sponsor Louis Eustazen uh, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you want a big company behind you, a Fortune 500 type company or big money, you know, Rolex, something like that. Uh, that would be awesome. There's yeah. not like a fun brand that you want to just work with just for fun? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I'm putting you on, I'm putting you on, on the spot here. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good question. It's something I've never even considered, you know, I, I honestly, I, I could, I could work with Sharon Williams, you know, sure. <laughs> the paint store. Oh, I actually know God. a lot about paint. Yeah. I could actually talk about it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Well, when we need to do a paint podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll call you up. <laughs> call me up, man. I'll tell you how to use a sprayer and everything. There we go. It's good stuff. Andy, you got anything else for Keith here? No, I think that's a perfect ending. Sherwin Williams. <laughs> Sherwin Williams, baby. <laughs> that better be the title of your rap next year. Yeah, it's what is it? Uh, Paint the Earth. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah their, their motto. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Well, buddy, again, congratulations on making BPT. Looking forward to watching you on that and uh, and cheering you on and. Man, thank you as always for making time for to coming on the show and educate not only Andy and I but everybody that tunes in. Yeah, 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 man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It's always a great time being on your show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. All right, we'll be talking to you. What's what's next for you? Uh, so next one's at NPFL. It's uh, you follow Oklahoma. It's a month away. All right, going yeah. back. Yeah, right. yeah. So I got a I got a little downtime now, but uh, yeah, looking Golf forward time. to. Golfing. Yeah, I, I might go hit some <laughs> golf balls now. I'll see how bad I am at first. Mm. Yeah. Heck yeah, buddy. But like we'll riding be, uh... a bike. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. All right, man. We'll appreciate you and uh we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you guys. Take care. See you, Keith. Bye. Always good getting Mr. Keith Carson here on the show. Yeah. Uh what about you, Andy? If you could have some wild non-endemic sponsor like a brand what would you choose oh man i would go like some type of food sponsor like i don't know like some <laughs> jelly brand like i, I love jelly like, peanut butter and jelly like could you imagine like a what smuckers is... like a smuckers oh, just, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> just have like, it like wrapped well... in like pv like how they had like the or uh, what's the one like you can buy like the little circle ones? I have some of my yes, favorite. the ones you get at like you in school like, when you forgot your lunch. Yeah. That's what you'd get. <laughs> you never wrapped for in like that. a dollar, like, like the purple and like white plaid wrap. Oh, it'd be so. Sweet. Oh, dude, that'd be dude. <laughs> P- PB and J boat wrap. Are you yeah. kidding? Come on now, like, you're one step ahead of the game because everyone looks at your boat and they're like, okay, now I'm hungry. <laughs> like I could go for a PB. Well, I think right they're now. called smackables. Is that what it is? Smackables? I have no idea. Somebody in the comments, tell us. Hold on, dude. I might, I might have to go. I might have to go like an M M&M and M just because the M M&M and NASCAR looks so cool. Yeah, there we go. Someone's screaming at this. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Kyle Busch, the M M&M and M NASCAR was at number eighteen, I think. That's a good one. I hated NASCAR, but I always loved the M M&M and M car just because it looked cool. Yeah, or the that Burger King car from way back in the day. Like, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, that was back in the day of traditional marketing when people thought it worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, but it, that was a fun show. That was good to get it Keith in. Yeah. It's going to be cool to see him on the BPT. I'm trying to remember who all – I know uh, Matt Steffen qualified for the BPT. Um, let's, let's actually bring that up real fast. Gray Buck qualified. Gray Buck qualified. There's a few that – Trying to, I was gonna call it actually who was doing well here on the BPT on the Saginaw Bay. I was just gonna give a shout out, Greg Vinson leading that with 37 pounds, leading by four pounds. Um, and good old KVD back up yeah. in second place. It'd be, 
Uh, I'm rooting I for got him. it here I'm if you're ready. Oh, for who qualified? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ron Nelson, Michael Neal, who would be a double qualifier. Right. Matt Steffen, Keith Carson, Martin Villa, Gray Buck, Nick Hatfield, and Marshall Robinson. Oh, Marty so Robinson. Are we gonna have son. two? Are we gonna have two Robinsons? Yeah. Two Another Robinsons, two tour. Jones. Yeah, it's awesome. That's pretty wild. That's pretty sick. Is it is that the only two that's in fishing right now? I know we have a bunch of brothers, but is that the only yeah, father son? So. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Heck yeah. Well, Andy, this weekend, uh, as either folks are listening to this or watching this, if you're watching on a Friday, I'm heading up to my bachelor party. Uh, or if it's in the weekend, don't reach out. (laughs) I'll, I will have the social media all weekend when I'm free. I remind my wife's sixth anniversary as we are, as you're listening to this on Friday, if you're past that, our anniversary is past, but unfortunately I won't be there with you this weekend, but I have some anniversary stuff. And the first docket on the list is installing a security system on my house tomorrow. So the honeydew list has already started. Yeah. It has begun. (laughs) It has begun. So I think we're going to try to go on like a big hike somewhere with the kids. Yeah. We'll see. We, we had a babysitter. Can you, can you please recreate the baby strapped to the front, Zach Galifianakis with the shades and everything? Oh, I probably can you recreate could. that for us. I probably please. Could, My hair isn't quite Dude, long enough now, but I probably could. That's your Halloween costume, bro. Zach Galifianakis. Dude, that's your Halloween <laughs> costume. I'm coming to your that's wedding awesome. dressed as Zach. I'm fanny packing it. I would die. Belly hanging out. <laughs> I would die. It would make my entire day if you did that. Like, uh, what was the hangover like? Zach Galifianakis from mm-hmm. Hangover. That's exactly it. People <laughs> that are watching, listening, know exactly what I'm talking about, and they can picture this. Yeah, let me go. I think he had like a perm too, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he had like floofy hair, but he had the shades like the uh, the matadors that you wore yeah. today from Hobie. Like they could be perfect for that too. Because I think he was just aviators, but still. Oh, oh, man, that could I... be amazing. Oh, could you know who incredible. would fit this role perfectly? Yeah. No, Corey <laughs> Krozak, my buddy Corey. He looks – yeah, he could fit this role perfectly too. But I think I could pull this off. I think you 100% could pull it I got to grow my hair out and go just straight shag, but we could do it. You should tell Amanda, and that way she'll get you'll get wife approval because this would be <laughs> the greatest picture ever if you could recreate this. But man, it's like, what do you do? I'm like, I was dared to grow my hair out and beard and look like Zach Galifianakis for Bailey's wedding, and I got three months to get ready. <laughs> I just need to borrow Nora for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just stuff a doll in the harness and just walk around. <laughs> no, be, Nora's perfect. Nora. <laughs> I know, but you wouldn't be hurting her. She'd be like, my dad's the coolest. Yeah, she probably <laughs> would love it. Honestly, she loves that baby carrier thing. But so there you go. You're golden. Yeah. Get all sweaty and gross. <laughs> Just do it for the picture, man. So my, yeah. my, what my one life ask of you. <laughs> That's all I ask for. <laughs> put the hands on the hips and like push the belly out. I will I will print that out and put it on my wall. <laughs> if if you do that, we will print them off and we'll autograph them. And whoever will like we'll send them out to viewers and listeners. If you guys want one, get in the DMs or the comments and tell us if you get an Andy. Zach Galifianakis recreation. <laughs> if you would get yeah. that, 
be hilarious. That's good. It'd be incredible. That is real oh, good. Oh, man. All right. Well, Andy, we could go on about the hangover yeah. and how you look like Zach Galifianakis forever. Uh, but as always, help. It's what? Matadors really help. They do. They definitely make the job a lot easier. <laughs> but, uh, buddy, always fun. And uh, looking forward to next week's live. Uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Mo- yes, correct. I was going to check. I, I the don't know following why week will be Monday, Tuesday. Yes, yes. The 14th will be fantasy fishing. So next week on Tuesday Night Live is Luke Palmer. Ooh. Oh, can't yeah. wait to talk about his smallmouth. Yeah, how? How, bro? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not discrediting Luke Palmer here, but all I have to say is Lake Champ- Lake St. Clair. I almost said Champlain because Champlain's an entirely different animal, but yeah. Lake St. Clair. Every year, somebody who isn't normally associated with smallmouth cracks them for four days and almost wins that dang tournament. Oh, is and, it? it's, and it's nothing against Luke Palmer. It's just Lake St. Clair. If I'm just going to razz Luke because it's fun to razz Luke. That's fair. He's probably going to be like, I don't know. I just kind of found him, and then we started catching him with every <laughs> You just go, listen, listen. <laughs> and then he's going to beat me up, and that's going to be yeah. it. Yeah. Today. But, uh, <laughs> Andy, fun as always. Folks, appreciate y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>